For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watched their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief treating their child with cannabis. This is One Family's Story. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love and Cannabis. I am Nina. I'm Osiris. And we are the proud parents of Aiden. Welcome everyone to another episode. Hope everyone's doing great out there. Peace, love, and happiness to all. Nina won't be joining us tonight. She's away. Be back for the next episode. But so tonight it's just me. And, you know, pretty much you guys already know what we've been discussing. As it relates to cannabis and family and all the issues that revolve around that, you know, whether it's internal, externals, all these things are all interconnected and related. One of the things that I wanted to talk about and share, which is personal in depth about, you know, the fact that being a dad in this situation where, you know, your child is dependent on you as well as your family, but your child more so because they need this medicine. As we said before, you know, the medicine. For your child to, you know, basically heal, heal from what they're going through. And this is a key. And uh, we're having issues in the sense of making sure that we have this accessible to us at all times. Uh, You know, one of the things that I've had to wrestle with is the idea that my son is going through this and I felt helpless to do anything despite all the work all the time, energy, just looking for people with the right products, meeting so many people with so many promises, just going on for the past four and a half, almost five years now, you know, this young man's life. And, you know, you're just hoping that it will stop it all together. I mean, granted, I'm very happy for where we are and where, how far we've come, but I feel there's so much more in that uh, we can do collectively in helping everyone else, just not my son, but a fact that as a father, you're dealing with this and, you know, as a society and just basically being the patriarch of the family, being the head of the household, you know, that responsibility is on you to make sure that you keep everything together. And one of the most important thing to keep together is your mind as you're going through this, your emotions you know, you're being told, you know, not to show any emotions and you suppress it so you can, you know, keep the family grounded, knowing that, you know, dad's got it. Dad's staying grounded. He looks strong. But like tonight, you know, my wife's not here. You know, Nina's not here. I have to, you know, keep that facade going because the, when you peel it all down, we're just human beings. We have emotions. You know, we have our ups and downs. Your highs and your lows, as you would say. But for the most part, you know, when you're alone, you think about these things. You think about, you know, what could you have done to change the situation? What, what, where did you make that mistake? Where were you? You know, what were you doing? How did this happen under your watch? You know, as a dad, this is your responsibility is to make sure your family's taken care of. You make sure you protect your family. Make sure you provide for your family. All those things that come with it, all the responsibilities. And it's heartbreaking because you see your your child, your only child, um, suffering. And there are parents out there who have more than one child going through this. And this, I could only imagine. And you know, I I bless them to stay strong. And you'd look at it and say, "Wow, 
this is not easy. And then you think also of the fact that a majority of families don't have one or two parents, whether it's through divorce, whether it's through death, whether just basically a single parent going through this. Uh, and you just don't know who to turn to, who can help, but you just keep pushing along. And that is something I just, I could say I struggle with just at times when I'm alone thinking about it. And I tend to beat myself up trying to figure out, playing it back in my mind, where did I miss a step? Why didn't I see this happening? What could I have done differently? You know, you visit that shoulda, coulda, woulda situation, but you just don't know. We, you know, we went to the doctors. We had genetic testing that's telling us, well, it's one of his genes that has a slight defect that, cause, that causes or triggers these seizures. And it's like you have this baby born and it's, it seems perfect, like there's nothing wrong. Of course, you know, there's challenges, you know, as a child is, is still developing, you're going to face some challenges. But for the most part, you're thinking, you know, oh, my baby's healthy, you know, he looks strong, he looks, he's going to be all right. And you're going to make sure that they're all right. You know, you're going to make sure you provide them the first, you know, the best food, make sure mom is there and being, you know, cautious of the things she takes in, you know, because obviously, you know, if your child's going to be breastfed, you want to make sure they're eating healthy. You know, your parent, you know, the mother's eating healthy and that goes in basically goes into your child and the same thing, you know, I got to stay healthy. I got to be there and I got to stay fit. But when life throws you that curveball and then you're wondering, what can you do differently? How do I evolve as a person, as a father and as, as a man? I mean, I didn't grow up with a, you know, a person in my household, a man, a male figure in my household. I could say, dad, what should I do? Dad, what can I, you know, what could I have done? Dad, teach me something. I had multiple male role models in my life, but someone to call dad, I did not have. I have to honestly say, so what I'm doing now is pretty much putting pieces together of men in my life that, you know, showed me the way, who've spent time, talked to me, encouraged me. I've taken those great skills that they provide, those insights, and kind of mold them into what I see a father should be. And I'm living that out with my son. And that's something I have to share with him one day and you know, let him know, hey, a lot of stuff I learned, a lot of stuff I've made up as I went along. I've made my mis share of mistakes. I'm not going to lie. I'm not perfect. But my heart is always in the right place because I had a strong mother and she taught me a lot. And one of the most important things that she taught us was how to love, you know, being affectionate, being caring, being respectful, you know, just just being that individual where people can turn to you, people can trust you, and people can love you wholeheartedly and unconditionally. And that's one of the things that I always hold fast is just being loving at all times, no matter what is going on internally or externally. And now I find myself in this situation and I'm like, all right, this is life. This is not something that's out of me, outside of my realm. This is inside my home, inside, this is part of me. This is my journey, something that I'm going to learn and grow and develop. And I have to say, yeah, I have. I've evolved a lot. I never imagined myself in a situation like this. Because, you know, you're young, you think about these things like, yeah, I'm going to be a great dad. I'm going to be a great husband. I'm going to be a provider. You're going to do all these things. But what kind of dad are you going to be when your child is ailing, your child is suffering? 
What kind of dad are you going to be? What kind of man you're going to become when you face adversity like that? And uh, for those dads who are out there who are sticking through, who are by their family side, by their child side, you know, I commend you. It's not easy. It takes a toll on you sometimes. You know, especially the times when you're alone, you get to sit and really start to delve in the ideas of what has transpired all these years or the time is, you know, where you are now. And I can only imagine with those moms who are, you know, who are by themselves as well. And they think about what they could have done, should have done, or even they blame themselves, you know, for what's happened. And I felt at times that I blame myself. I don't know how. Maybe it's my gene pool or maybe something I did wrong or maybe I stressed my life out while she was pregnant with him. And, you know, those things run through your mind. And then the other part of it's like, you know, was it the vaccine? Did did that trigger it? So you wrestle with all these ideas and and it seems like you can never get a clear cut answer because everything you research tells you this and tells you that. And you're just your head spinning. And you don't know what to believe or understand. And uh, so you're left with the idea like. I just got to keep going, keep pushing forward and looking for a cure. I mean, truthfully, that's where we boils down. We're looking for that cure. It's something to end this, you know, Nina would call suffering. And others will say, you know, especially those who are very religious, like you have to go through the suffering in order to come out of it um, as a whole. You know, that's part of the process. And I'm seeing this process, but at the same time, I see my son and I see sometimes when he hurts, when he does have a seizure. I mean, it's nowhere near what he was having before. And that was probably the most painful experience of my life. And I've been around for a while and I have, I've gone through some painful experiences, but to watch a child so young, so small, go through so many seizures in a day, anywhere between a hundred to hundreds, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. You're just sitting there trying to figure out like, where did we go wrong? What is going on? From the twitching, the jerking, the drooling, or the blind stares that you just can't get them to connect. Or the looking off the space, or then the full body convulsion, the twitching, the jerking, the body locking up, and you they're not responding, they stop breathing, the lips are turning blue. I mean, all of those things we've experienced. I, I think the one of the experiences that I still trying to deal with is when he could be standing there talking to you or playing, and he just his knees buckle out from under him and he just falls to the floor as if he fainted. And to hear that sound, that thud, he, when he hits the ground, it's, it's, it's painful. It's gut-wrenching. It's just like it, it hurts you. And it's like you're in shock. You don't even know how to react. I mean, my reaction is just to grab him off the ground as quickly as possible to lessen the pain and console him um, as he cries. But um, I have to say that he's a trooper. He, he, he keeps me going. He really does. He keeps me looking forward to the next day. Because there are some dark moments when you're dealing with something like this. There are moments where you just like, you want to give up because you don't even know if you're doing the right thing anymore. You don't know if you're on the right track because you want to end it. You also look at the fact that there's other families who have it worse than you. So I start to feel guilty thinking about it. Just like, wow, okay. 
their child, they're just happy if their child could sit up. Some parents, I've heard them say, you know, I'll be happy if my child could smile or say my name. And some of them are in the ages of 5 to 12 or 18 years old. And they're so dependent. I think for us was that we got involved in cannabis so early. We administered CBD oil so early. I think it was a month after he was diagnosed. You know, I have to thank my friend Scott for really educating me on cannabis a year before I didn't even think I was, you know, a year before I was going to be knee deep in this situation of dealing with my child who has epilepsy. And um, to be able to help him in that way meant a lot, but I felt like it's not enough. You know, everything was, you know, basically trial and error because it's not something that's going to happen overnight because you got to figure it's like most medications, you know, you have to dose it in a certain way. You have to take into consideration their weight. Also, their meals of what they eat daily. Will it affect it? Will it slow it down? Will it speed it up? Metabolism. Uh, one of the things that we also had to think about was his current medication that he was on, the pharmaceutical drug, how did that interact? And um, we find out there was conflict, so we had to figure out the scheduling. Uh, how do we space it? I mean, there was a point where no one was sleeping. Literally, my wife and I were running on on schedules like, okay, you got the first hour shift. I got the first, or the second half of the shift. So we would take turns on who would sleep and would stay up because he would have his grandma's in his sleep. Three, four o'clock in the morning, like clockwork, like almost every night, every morning, he would have a grandma, guaranteed. And we had to devise a system, you know, to deal with that because we couldn't just, you know, snap him out of it. There were times where we had to administer a diastat. And that stuff, oh my God, it would crush him. He was just sleep all day. He was just complete vegetable. And then the seizures would come back more intense because of the diastasis after you, you know, it's basically a barbiturate. So once you take him off, he's going to have a withdrawal symptoms. And those are the things that we had to deal with, you know, the twitching, the jerking. It was, it was hard to even feed him sometimes because he would have it while he's eating and it would frustrate him. Uh, so it's those challenges as a man, you thinking, what more can I do? What more can I do? What am I missing? How do I make this stop? How do I take the pain away? How do, you know, how do I make Nina feel comfortable knowing that everything's going to be all right without breaking down? You know, just staying strong enough to be like, yeah, we're going to make it through. We're going to, we're going to get through this. Don't worry. We're going to get through this. And then it's like, sometimes you think you're, you know, at times I think I'm lying to myself. You know, I just want to keep her happy and just keep her at peace of mind for now till we hopefully find something. Hopefully, you know, we'll find that right, that right strain, that right dosage to take it all away. But for now, we're just completely dependent on it. More so than the medication. And being in a situation, I've learned to fight for everything that we need for him to survive. Uh, I've always wanted to suppress that because I've always fought, you know, since I was a kid. You get bullied, you get teased because I wore glasses, so I get teased, I get bullied, so fighting, you know, that was part of it. After you get older, it's just like, I don't feel like fighting. 
but now you, you know, I find myself in a situation where I've got to constantly fight, fighting for information, fighting to get the right people to support what we're trying to do as a whole, getting people to understand what it is you're dealing with. And those individuals who are empowered to make decisions hear you, but don't listen because they have their own agendas. So it makes it challenging. I mean, just even getting services for my son to make sure that he was getting everything he needed. We had to fight for that to get him to the right school. We had to fight and research for that. It was just, it's almost like a constant battle. Then you come home and then, you know, you and your partner are fighting, you know, we, we would have some arguments over things and it's just like, well, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Who's going to go to the school to administer this in CBD? Who's going to take time off from work to go on meeting? All those things. And it's just battle after battle. And it's like, this is not what it's supposed to be. You know, this is not the life that I had, you know, projected for myself or even dreamt would ever be. But I'm growing and learning from it. I am learning to work with what I have. And I'm just, I just have to stay strong for him and for the family as a whole. Just have to get up every day and um, smile and, and enjoy those good moments. Enjoy those times that he does, you know, laugh, that he's able to talk. He's able to play, especially when I watch him on his scooter up and down the apartment, just rolling, you know, him screaming out, yeah, baby. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I, okay, he's having a good day. Even if he does have one or two seizures here and there, it's still awesome because it doesn't stop him. He'll cry for a second, but he's determined to get up and do something. There was times we would sit down and do homework and he'll have a seizure. His head would drop and just hit the table, but he'll pick his head up. He'll cry, but then he'll be right back and trying to finish his homework. I'm like, wow. It's like he's determined to get it done. And when he's done, he's happy. You know, he smiles like, Dad, I did it. You know, I'm done. And it's like, wow. You, you are, you, you're the, you know, you're the strength of the family. You know, you're that foundation. And as I look at my son, this is one of the things I keep saying to him, um, whether he understands or not. But it's just something I, you know, I have to feel I have to share with him. Um, I have to give also my wife credit, too, for her being so strong. I know there's moments when she breaks down. I push her to, you know, to stay strong. You know, don't give up, you know, keep, keep grounded. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Well, inside, I'm just like hurting because I see she's hurting. I see him hurting. And it's like, oh, yeah, we all got to be strong. We can't give up. We can't let up. We got to keep moving. But there's times where you got to think about, like, how long can you keep this up without, you know, breaking down? And then when you think about your family, do they understand what you're going through? Do they see it? And the answer is no. For the majority of the time, it's just this, just us three, just us. Granted, they you know family do come over from time to time, but at the end of the day, it's still us three. And even with these doctors, you don't hear from them. They don't reach out. They don't check to say, "Hey, how's it going? How's Aiden doing? How's the family?" You don't hear from them. Even when you try and schedule an appointment, oh, I don't have anything for another week, two weeks. Is it an emergency? If not, I will see you in a month. So it's. That makes me want to do more regardless, whether I'm a father or a husband. I just got to do more because I realize you just can't count on everyone to fight for you or to support what is it you want because it's not their child. As much as they say they love you, they love your child, 
But again, it's not theirs because it's not their flesh and blood. It's not them that's going to the doctor's office. It's not them holding the child when he's having these seizures. They just witness it. It's not the same. You know, there's a connection, especially mothers. They have that connection with their child. Fathers, too, because they see a part of them in the child. And I see that in my son. I, I see that spirit in him. And I'm so fortunate in a way, though. I'm very fortunate and blessed in the sense that I'm put in a position to make a difference. I just got to continue to believe that I was put here for a reason in this situation. And I guess it's not my place to figure that out, but it is my place to continue what I'm doing. And uh, that's really all I can think because there's so much, there's so much we could do this for hours, but for those dads out there, stay strong. Definitely stay strong. And uh, this plant is such a powerful thing in our lives that could actually alter all that's happened. And we have to support. You know, it's crazy. You got to support this plant. <laughs> it's like that's going to be our movement is to support it to make sure that we have it accessible because we say it's a miracle drug, but it's not a miracle drug because it's what our bodies need. It is part of us and we have to reconnect with that. And that's what I'm doing with my son is reconnecting him with it in the purest form. You know, I love him dearly. I love my family dearly and I'll do anything for them. I'll sacrifice whatever I have to, to make sure they're, they're whole and make sure they're grounded, make sure they're protected. And make sure that they're all right. And I think that's what the every dad or any parent, really. But for the most part, the dads, you know, because we are perceived in a way. But we do have our shortcomings. We do have our weaknesses. And we do make our mistakes. But for the most part, we are there. We, you know, we are strong. We love our families. We care deeply, especially situations like this, where we just have to, you know, stay there and be strong granted there are those who feel that they can't handle the pressure they can't take what's going on whether it's the stress from dealing with the, the child who can't do anything for themselves or the relationships falling apart from the stress itself and I can wholeheartedly speak to that because we've, we've been there Nina and I have been there you know we've been at our broken, uh, breaking point but through it all we're like no I mean we may give up on each other from time to time, but come back together and be like, okay, well, let's make this work. We have no choice. This little boy is dependent on us and he's become our, you know, our glue. And uh, I think that's one of the things, and that's the thing that Nina had shared with me once she said, let's make our focus on him. Granted, we have our differences, we have our issues that we have yet to deal with, but let's put him first and work from there. And I agree. And that's something we've been doing ever since. And it's 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 uh, open minds to a lot of things. It open minds to who I am as a person. And I hope it's done the same for her. And uh, we've gotten closer. I think we've gotten to understand each other and how we think. And I think that was the one of the things that we we're missing is our communication, understanding how we work. Because we are totally two different peoples. I mean, in every 
shape and form and thought process in every way you could imagine we are different. But the one thing that we do is love our child dearly. And that's helped us a lot, especially going through all this. And I know that um, she thinks about it. I know there's times when she's alone, she just wonders what could she have done differently? Did she make a mistake? Did she do something, you know, that triggered all this? You know, is it something that she could have changed? But we never talk about it. It's one of those things that we just just don't talk about. You know, we just go through the days and um, looking for, you know, that rainbow, you know, that will just let us know that, hey, everything's going to be all right. And we've had some good times. We've had some really good times. So I, I cannot take away from some of the happinesses we've been experiencing as a family. Going away together, getting to spend some time, going to the beach, you know, which Aiden loves to do. He loves to swim. He loves to be in the water. And he's learned how to swim. So that's one of the things that uh, he dearly enjoys. And I appreciate as well. It's a lot. It's a lot. And every day it's a struggle. But get up and do it. Just get up and forge forward and uh, make sure that my family's taken care of. I make sure I, you know, I take care of my family and most importantly, take care of myself. That's, that's something I'm still struggling with is taking care of myself first. That's something I've always struggled. I've always taken care of others before I take care of myself. So that's something I feel like I got to start doing because I want to be here. I really do. All right, guys, I, I think that's enough from my, my uh, thoughts for the night. So much is so much, but yeah, I, I believe that health is so important that I've been neglecting it and I need to really address that. Really do. All right, guys, I want to sign off and uh, I hope all of you are doing well. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love, Love and Cannabis. Cannabis. I'm Nina. I'm Osiris. And we're the proud parents of Aiden. Be strong and stay empowered. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like, their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.